Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. to another edition of Your Woke Bros. I am Michael Jamal Shabazz Aziz Mohammed Sadiq X Brooks Jamal. And of course, with me as ever, my comrade, my brother, my friends, my paisan, my fratello, my fellow member of the ulama. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What's going on, Michael, man? It's good to be with you, man. I'm actually in the holiday spirit. Thanksgiving is one of the few holidays that actually, you know, moves me. I can't lie. When it comes to Christmas or the holidays or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever we're calling it these days, I'm not going to lie. It seems ultra consumerist it seems ultra just made up bullshit gimmick to separate us from our money um easter easter's not even about jesus anymore it's about a bunny don't get (laughs) me started on valentine's day uh you know fourth of july like jesus christ really you know we got independence except for the black people who were still slaves it's hard for me to get in the spirit of a lot of these holidays but Thanksgiving, and even though, you know, the problematic uh, history of Thanksgiving, where the pilgrims were like, these Indians treated us so nice, and we decided to give them yellow fever, you know what I'm <laughs> saying, the smallpox and shit. Like, even the problematic nature of the origin, like, the idea that all the families around America decided to deciding to come together and, you know, 
just be, you know, no work, no school, no nothing. We just be together and be grateful for having each other and holding each other down. It's it's kind of beautiful. And I do want to say this, and I want to shout out Bumani Jones for this. There are a lot of people out there on this holiday that don't have a family to hang out with, don't have people to be around. These, these times aren't happy times for them because they're reminded of the shit that they don't have. I just want to keep those people in our thoughts, you know what I'm saying, uh, and shout out to them anyway. Yeah, most definitely. And I just want to say real quick, like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I have no problem. And I think, I've, of course, everybody should be aware of and conscious of the actual history of Thanksgiving for sure. And at the same time, we should be trying to create more experiences like Thanksgiving in general in our culture. Yep. It's probably one of the only days of the year where especially people who are, you know, really abused financially, which is, you know, almost all Americans get right. like actual time and we should just honor that. And we can't always be out like on the stunt on that, you know, like acknowledge it, be real about the history yeah. Uh, maybe at some point, you know, change the name, whatever, but the basic concept and the basic experience, we got to honor, we got to support and, uh, you know, and embrace, I think. Um, also, of course, with us is obviously the evil genius junior, the Puerto Rican Jade or <laughs> the Puerto Rican. Jade. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe Jade is the is the white the Rob white Lopez. Rob Lopez baby. Ooh, shit. So we're of course full squad, full team, and we've got some stories to run for you all. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, because we know that you're probably ducking away from your family. Yep. It's the morning. Maybe you want to get out on the patio, take a hit of. Or you, yeah. Or you did the, the <laughs> sneaky shit. Or you did the sneaky shit and left Friday morning. You're driving back now. You in your car, right? Now you ain't even stay. You didn't do Black Friday with them. You was just like, look, I'm out. Friday yeah, morning, like, top of the that, morning. That was great. Now <laughs> you are accelerating as you listen to that woke bros theme coming on. Um, let's, uh, yeah, but let's. We we should get to some uh, real, real quick plugs. Um, as always. The Michael Brooks Show, patreon.com slash TMBS. Michael Brooks Show on YouTube where you can get clips and full shows. Uh, and please go to the Bell House where you can buy tickets February 1st, first Michael Brooks live show. They're moving fast. Uh, and then, um, of course, subscribe to the Bomb Feed. This is the feed. This is on Black Opinions Matter. One of my goals in life was to be the only white member of a, a kind of WB-type project. So Checklist. Ish. Mission achieved. <laughs> Check out the back pod. Check out the daily ding. All of that and anything else was that we need. Yeah, to let, listen, listen yeah. First. Listeners of this pod will appreciate this. Uh, I just got off of the mailbag, and on that very mailbag, the 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 pod father Jade Hoy announced the next Count the Dings live show, which will be in Boston. Actually, Ooh. it's going to be in Cambridge, Mass. Cambridge, Mass. I, at the I'm gonna just, this is, this, I shouldn't do this, but I'm just going to say that basically uh, you guys should send me up there. 
Yeah, well, don't worry. I'll I'll put that in the writer. Don't worry about I think it. I, like, say, I think I gotta be in the We'll get you. We'll get you up there. We'll get you up there. Live show, dude. I gotta be. But we're oh my god. So you could do some uh Boston impression. Oh, oh my Boston. lord. I will lot. be here. I will put on a fucking Celtics hat, a red Sox <laughs> jersey. I will be the most up not I will grow out a red beard and I'll just be like Dude, like, why do black people not respect white effort in sports? <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, that's happening on March second. It's at the, you know, the Sloan Analytics Conference uh, at MIT. Although I don't know if they're holding it at MIT anymore. I think it's gotten a little bit too big for MIT. I'm not sure where they're holding it this year, but it's in and around the Sloan. MIT Analytics Conference. Uh, that's happening March the second at the Middle East in Cambridge, Mass. Not Boston exactly, but Cambridge. Uh, Park the Khan Harvard Yard. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I just took a that's bow, ladies that. and gentlemen. <laughs> I just took a bow. Uh, yeah, so that's happening March second. You can expect tickets to go on sale probably next week, man. If you guys are getting this on a Thanksgiving Thursday or a Black. Friday next week, early to mid next week, those things will be on sale. You want to get your hands on those, man, because these shows have. I, I don't want to be the person to brag, but these shows have not only been a, outstanding, but they've been selling out quick. So yeah. uh, you want to no get doubt. on this as soon as you can. Obviously, you know what type of movers and shakers are in and around the Sloan Analytics Conference every single year. We happen to have a lot of friends in and around the Sloan Analytics Conference every single year. So we're going to have a lot of special guests come through, you know, do a couple panels, of course. Bold Needle's going to be there. Of course, of course. Of course, Elizabeth Warren might show up. You never even know, man. You you never know who's going to show up to a back-to-back show. You know, I love it. You're selling it so well. You didn't even hear my ridiculous ass-backwards pick. Fucking Bo Deedle. All right, let's get to it. All right, let's get to it. He's like that that ridiculous, like he's like the detective on Fox News. He's always just like, yo, Obama divided the country. <laughs> Obama divided the country. That's hilarious. That's um, so funny. Let's, let's, let's get to some stories. And first we're going to break out. Um, we're going to put on our sort of brand maven hats. Of course, yes, I'm the... I'm the socialist with the good sneaker wear and the suit, by the way. I don't know. Did you see me in the latest TMBS? I was in a full, beautiful suit, my friend. So very, very capital-oriented right Sorry, now. Sorry, I was on mute. I, I, I did want to have a reaction to that. I was on mute about browsing through my phone. Um, I have not seen it. Can you please text me a picture of that? I would greatly I appreciate text it. You a picture. Because <laughs> I know. Because listen, man, I see them Patreons creeping up. I know those suits are tailored now, boy. <laughs> I was like, you know what's really disgusting is Amazon. I Mercedes to go to Seville Road. <laughs> no, yes. all right. So here's what it is. Fast Company has a report. On a store that's going to be opening up in Plano, Texas, which they are describing as the department store of the future. And I'm just going to quote real quick from this piece. Entrepreneur Matt Alexander does not believe in the retail apocalypse. And then I'm skipping ahead. Alexander's big plans to reimagine a department store with a new company called Neighborhood Goods. He's received 
5.72 million in seed funding led by Forerunner uh, Ventures, uh, Kristen Green's fund that is invested in winners like Glossier, Away, Bonobos, Dollar Shave Club. And fascinatingly, Alexander's opening up his first 13,000 square foot store this past, this past weekend in Plano, Texas. It's not exactly the place you'd imagine a hip retail experience unfolding. And it goes on to explain that the sort of the the goal of the store is basically and this is always a mix i think of kind of like bullshit and hype and kind of true where instead of stores you're going to have like different parts of the store which will have unique tailored brand experiences they're supposed to like take you inside their production process a little bit more and then obviously all of the usual accoutrements that you know, hipster type people kind of like generally there's going to be a bar, there's a restaurant, there's going to be an open space for people to hang out. And I just think it's interesting both because I do think even as just the margins of capitalism get more and more shrunk and there's honestly just like part of the reason we have to, in my opinion, move to a post-capitalist world is because there's still an, obviously there's unending human ingenuity and creativity, but there's just smaller and smaller marketplace. There's just no blue oceans. I mean, everything has happened, so we need to reimagine it. But I think that what's happening here is, even though I'm not excited about the market model, I'm excited about the idea that people still want to exist in physical space if they're iced and intrigued enough. Listen, my thing with all of this stuff, as much as I love buying toilet paper on Amazon.com, there... <laughs> There is a visceral, like, just straight-up reaction to walking into, say, Kit in New York City, right? Which is like, it's a sneaker store, it's a streetwear store, it's all it is. But they, you know, but they've tried to curate an experience, okay? They have an ice cream bar, like, they do exclusive drops, they do all of this shit. At the end of the day, when people show up to Kit, they feel like, you know what? I left my house to be here, but this was fun, Right? Like, this yeah. was cool. Yeah. Like, this, even if I didn't buy something, guess what? When I buy something, I'm going to want to share that. I'm going to want to tell people my experience at the gift store. I think, and again, like, there's something about being around actual other human beings, right? Like, yes, ordering toothpaste in my underwear is great. It's convenient. It's perfect. But at the same time, like, leaving your house with your significant other, with your mom, with your little cousin or your niece or your nephew and going to somewhere, a shared space of, you know, like-minded individuals, like that shit is still valuable, right? And if people put the right amount of thought and like you said, ingenuity, creativity behind something, and I use Kith as an example. I'm sorry, I didn't even get to finish my thought, but like I use Kith as an example because they open up two New York stores, they opened up the L.A. store. And this is a New York-based brand, but it's basically like, yo, they curated an amazing in-store brick-and-mortar experience. And there's a demand for it. And it's not just, you know, motherfuckers who are willing to pay $350 for sneakers, because that's not all they have in there. They have all kinds no, of shit in there. Than... Right. But no, it's, it's an experience. It's, it's an experience. experience. And I think for me, what's interesting to me is I think – the other two things I just want to hit on with this is I think that if we go the right way, we're going to start leaving behind. Like there's going to be more companies that are worker owned as an example, but they're right. going to be dope. Right. right. Like the thing, like 
Madragon in Spain actually has a really successful economic region, which goes back to the 50s, is primarily worker-owned. And and people have this, you know, and of course, like they were hit less by austerity and recessions and employment is higher and poverty is lower and all these other important things. But it's also like, I think that the, the, the creativity that the brands people have, that the experienced design people have, that the people who are making the designs for the glasses, the sneakers, the, the you know, the, the whole, the, the furniture, whatever it may be, that is the vitality, the creativity is all there, even if the business models aren't match, matching it, is what I'm trying to say. So what if the next step of the department store of the future is that maybe it's a collaboration in a kind of like empowered regional economic zone or it's owned by workers? Because, you know, on the flip side, the other thing that I want to touch on with this is there's been some great reporting recently on how, like, of course, Amazon is a massive factor in our economy. I'd say actually overall a really dangerous one and a fucked up one. Uh, but it's, you know, it's huge. It has major implications for the environment. And, and they're good at what they do. Well, they're good at what they do, but fundamentally what they do is not compatible with, like, dealing with the climate. Oh, or hell no. Labor. You know, and of course they're good at what they do, no doubt. I mean, they're geniuses at what they do. It just happens what they do isn't going to work. But we can get into that. But but the, but on the flip side, Amazon is not the reason why there's been this retail apocalypse. There's actually been well, no. more private equity firms loading up businesses with debt and then cashing out and letting the workers have the bag. And I just want to recommend, we'll put in the notes, there's a piece that came out in 2017 called The Causes and Consequences of the Retail Apocalypse. Private equity firms overburdened businesses with debt and now workers are playing the price rule policymakers do anything about it in the new republic and and i mean that basically lays it out obviously you get into more detail but just this idea that like retail will go away inevitably nothing will ever happen and that's bullshit you know it's bullshit and economics is always determined by policy and the policy we've allowed is you know amazon to do a lot of really bad and dangerous things and have too much monopoly power but on the other hand this private equity is retail formed by private equity. And that's a very specific decision. It's not because people are buying underwear on Amazon. Yeah. And it's not because people don't want to get up and go out to stores right. and buy shit. It's bullshit. And I want to just a quick antidote on that. The day that I decided that I actually really hated Bain is when yeah. I found out that they had bought up KB toy store and they yep. did what you said, loaded it up with debt, and then unloaded that shit. And we have no more KB Toys. Because I just remember KB Toy Store being the cooler, more laid-back alternative to ultra-consumerism Toys R Us, right? Yeah, like, right, Toys, right. Toys R Us had all the commercials. Toys R Us had all the appeal. But KB had all the shit, but it was just more chill. And they had more toys in the fucking clearance rack. And it was just, it was just so much iller of an experience experience as a kid and then i read bain capital is, was the death of kb toy store yep. and that's when i decided fuck cory booker and fuck mitt romney that's right exactly <laughs> more more toys in the fucking discount rack should be a slogan at some point <laughs> they did man they always that. had a brolic ass clearance rack for the toys man <laughs> it's crazy I would see that as sad, a kid. Like there, just Waz walking around being like, they got a prolic ass. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hire me, people. Hire me. <laughs> I'll come you know, up I with a slogan. Boss, no I think and I would actually be good pitch men. I really do. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. You got the black. You got the white. Yep. You yep. got the socialist. You got the semi-socialist. <laughs> <laughs> you got the... Like the same music. I mean, one of, the, one, of the, one of the lessons about being global is that Waz and I are basically the same person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the good thing about globalism, man. That, like, yeah. like we're all realizing this. You can go to Jamaica and meet 20,000 Michael Brookses. It's crazy. <laughs> right. In motorbikes, driving the product down from the hills. With um, a mesh, with a mesh... <laughs> on, which are actually called marinas, for those of you who don't know, but most yeah, people just say right. the mesh. Oh, by the way, I just got problematic with the, excuse me, tank top. I'm sorry, God. Hey, cut that out in post, Rob. In short, the federal government said this. Congratulations, you played yourself. So y'all keep thinking this is a game, man. Giggling on the gram and telling on yourselves. And I want to know who the record label executive was that got into it at the Philippe Child. People say it was Elliot Grange. And who is he? Elliot Grange is the son of Sir Lucian Grange, the highest executive at the Universal record label universal mm. music now i told y'all several times there was people behind the scenes financing all this behavior because it makes money on youtube and instagram and your reckless behavior that gets you likes and hits on youtube got you out here bugging for some money and here we are and so you thought you was going to get into it with the son of arguably the most powerful man in the music industry, and this thing was going to end up okay for you? Congratulations. You played yourself. Because that was what? Just a few weeks ago. It seems like things started moving rather quickly since then. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got yeah, it, Mike. Right, Rob is there. He's just laughing. Get to Takashi. I know you're a big fan. No, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> no, I'm not a big fan of Takashi. But you know, it's. I hate when this happens. By the way, Mike. Right. When it comes to prosecutorial overreach, when it comes to like. The, the the very definition of trumped up char charges, yeah. Like I'll be, I hate to, I hate it. I don't I never liked Takashi's music. I didn't like his approach to uh, getting as much eyeballs on his music as possible. I did I didn't like any of that stuff. I didn't like the fact that he's a Mexican guy who says the N word more than any black person I've ever known. Like I didn't like it. Like, like <laughs> all of the stuff surrounding Takashi more than, more than any black person I've ever known. 
<laughs> all That's, of this. Yeah, I did wonder that one time when I was uh, listening. I a lot listened. of people have have been like, "Really, Takashi? Like, really?" I've only listened to a couple of Takashi tracks. Like, I've listened. I mean, I know to, enough to know who he is and what he's about. Sure. But like, that did cross my mind one time. I was like, I was like, does he have some black in him? No, he it. doesn't. He's just a Mexican cat, <laughs> which is fine. I love Mexican people, but like, come on. No, bro. I meant regards like, to that word specifically. I was like, even, come on, come uh, on. Come on. And and whatever. I'm not even going to get into it. That's that's not the point of today's show. But no, what I'm saying is I hate when that happens. Like when something that I don't, don't like at all butts heads with something that I hate very much. And that's the way the feds do law enforcement in a lot of cases, especially as it pertains to people in or around hip hop. Uh, go see uh, freaking see DJ Drama and what the RIAA tried to do with them over mixtapes. Go see Irv Gotti, what the feds tried. Irv Gotti actually went to trial and beat the fucking feds in court. Uh, go see, and, and uh, you know, uh, go see Bobby Schmurder, which, again, knuckleheaded kid, whatever, I'm sure he was friends with and attached to a lot of people who've done a lot of crimes, but the way they structured that conspiracy case, racketeering, all this bullshit, all these mafia laws that they concocted to take down the actual mafia, right? Like people who were making in the like tens of millions of dollars off of illegal activities every year and applied it to Bobby Schmurda and his mans from his block to lock these people up for 10, 12 years. You know, it's tough, man. It's tough. Like this kid is getting railroaded. He is. As trash as his music is, as annoying as the shit that he's perpetuating, all of that stuff, he's getting railroaded. He was obviously affiliated with people who, are, who do have roots um, and elements of street, street activities to them. Um, you know, that's a big part of the people who were, quote unquote, his muscle or protecting him. But the idea that this kid was involved with running an actual criminal enterprise, that you put 17 counts on this dude? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically don't, because we're basically the same person, I pretty much totally agree with you. And I just think that what gets me even more, and you can go and look at the Shmurda charges, that's insane. You it's crazy, yo. Look at, you know, FBI, NYPD surveillance of like the Wu-Tang Clan, as if they were like, associates of the Gambino crime family. Yeah. And, you know, and with really like, and it's not to say like, okay, whatever, like rappers might use security from different criminal organizations, but really with the exception of like death row records, which right. Doug Knight actually was a gangster. Right. Like that's just non-existent mostly. I mean, I guess there's a couple of other smaller. Cases, and, and no, and it's no, because it's important that you said that because, there are often times where people who work in rap music specifically, because this doesn't come up in country, doesn't come up in EDM, doesn't come right. up in pop or whatever the other genres are. Rap music specifically, because like you might have to go to Memphis, Tennessee, to some club in one of the most crime little areas in that state and get $5,000 to do a show. And you might have to pay some street cats to make sure that you're safe going, coming in and out. 
You just right. did business with some street elements. That does not make you a part of their organization. And but that, also not only that, like to even like in a less reasonable direction, like frankly, Frank Sinatra was all over yes. like his fans and his friends and his financial backing, I believe, were straight up mafia. And there might be that it like I'm I'm saying like the most innocent is somebody that's security for you. But even if you're friends with scumbags and associate yep. with bad, you know, people who do bad, mean shit, and you get a thrill off of that association. Or by the way, even do business where the guy's your manager. Yes, but he's it's negotiating deals for you. Mean. And there's a lot of reason why you might want people like that to negotiate deals with you, by the way. Oh, yes. Facts. <laughs> Particularly in a notoriously screw-over artist business. It does not mean that you're part of a criminal conspiracy. And then the other just the other two things I just want to throw into the mix. One, I remember one of Bobby Shmurda's lawyers saying in a, in a profile I read, and I do forget his name, and I couldn't find it before we, we started, but the quote was something to the effect of that People don't understand that police in a place like I don't even where is he from Brownsville? I forget where he's from. I think Brownsville. They operate. Bobby's Bobby's from Flatbush. He's from the '90s section, which is basically on the border of East New York, Brownsville, Flatbush. Okay, all right. So that general ballpark. So what this guy was saying is that in these neighborhoods, and again, like. This is a lawyer, right? And sure, he's making a case, but this is somebody who would know better than you, is my point, unless you've grown up in these neighborhoods. He's like, what people cannot understand as I talk about this case is the way the police treat these teenagers in a paramilitary fashion. And he wasn't saying, like, some of them might not do some shit or whatever, Hold but on. a lot uh, of Sorry, really... sorry to interrupt, Mike. Uh, yeah. The guy's name is Alex Spiro. Uh, he's he's uh, incredible. For, I actually got to talk to him back during the True days. My man Kevin Arnovitz is friends with him. He's a fucking NBA fanatic, so we, we were able to get, get him, him on the pod. pod. I mean, I, would, I can pod. try to yeah. do some back channeling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin Arnovitz was making that point. Yep, and you can elaborate on it. And the second thing I want to say too, I talked to another lawyer, a guy that I'm I'm friendly with. He's a he's a Ethiopian Jew patron of TMBS. So you know I like him. And what he said to me, and this takes it out of the realm of, you know, because even for as dangerous as the situation they're in, I mean, you know, Takashi has lawyers, he has some resources, whatever. But this guy was saying like, you, he's like, I'm talking to teenagers in schools and I'm trying to explain to them that if they're watching like a Cardi B video or a Takashi video, and they throw up a sign because it's part of a dance or some shit, or they saw it on an Instagram post, he's like, that can be used and might very well be used alone yeah. to arrest you, to yep. get you into legal trouble, to kick you out of school, to get you in the system, criminally speaking. And so to me, and what's funny is that most of mainstream culture goes, oh, well, that's why, you know, Takashi shouldn't be throwing up gang signs. And you know what? Fair enough, whatever. Sure. A bigger point. That's why that Takashi should shouldn't be exercising his constitutional right of free speech. Well, that's, that's why. One, but number two, even at, to me, it's like police are literally monitoring children's fucking social media pages and building criminal cases on this type of thing. And by the way, with Takashi, 
my read would be, and he might be a real asshole and he might've done bad, whatever, but he, that's an exaggerated version of that same dynamic because this is a made up narrative, which got mashed with real life through his security. That's my read. Listen, um, I just want to get, before we move on from this, I just want to talk about the idea, the concept, the entity that is, that are the hip hop police. Like I'm sure anybody who's listening to rap for any extended period of time has heard the term hip hop police. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy theory, uh, some fairy tale of folklore. No, it's, it's a fact. No, what I'm saying is that there is an actual unit within the NYPD dedicated to following rappers, watching what they do on social, figuring out what club, strip club, or regular club they got booked at, uh, stopping their vehicle in and out of the facility, literally, literally trying to put cases on rappers, trying to put cases on young black men making money off of music. That's literally their job, dude. And this idea that Takashi and his mans were fucking Al Capone and them fucking up society is fucking crazy. It's just, it's insanity, man. And quite frankly, it's racist. Like, that's the elephant in the room. It's racist as fuck, bro. And, you know, and it's something as simple as, like, let's just say... I remember there was a weekly hip-hop party, and I talked about this on um, Everything is Trash with my cousin, Nard. There was this weekly hip-hop party. I love that stuff, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. You're going to love our next episode. It's taken us like 10 years to put it out, but everybody's going to be very happy about the next episode that we drop. I get a um, first shout-out, I'm assuming. Yes, probably. That one uh, will make <laughs> uh, We talked about the Webster Hall party, the call house party, Just Blaze basically put it together, whatever. It was this great party. Every week, people coming coming out, whatever. Right. Some kids got into a fight at the train station a block or two away. They figured out that those kids was at the Webster Hall party. Party done. They literally closed the party because some yep. kids who left the party got into a fight. Now, yep. how many times at Izu, at motherfucking EDC, have motherfuckers actually died from drug usage? You know, like, you know how long it would take, how many fights it would take at an all-white party for them to decide that this party, this weekly all-white party, needs to be shut down? Like, it's just part of the systemic racism that happens. And, you know, it's, and unfortunately... People think New York City is this liberal bastion, the melting pot. It is oftentimes, but oftentimes it's just racist as fuck, reductive as fuck, you know? And the hip-hop police is just a part of that, bro. Like, the, I, like once you pop in your rap and you have a sort of a, what we call a street edge to you, they're watching you. They're watching yeah. you, man. 100%. And they're trying to get you locked up. And if your associates do a crime... They're going to rope you in whether you actually were a part of some conspiracy to kill or hurt or murder or whatever, or all the bullshit they put on people. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate, man. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear what it is. And we don't. And again, it doesn't really matter what you think of these individual personalities. You have to look at the Yeah, and, and you can say to yourself, like, oh, Takashi, you know, he was doing the CB4 thing, which is like. Honestly, like that was a relevant movie in 1995 or whenever it came out. <laughs> but like, dude, it is so ridiculously relevant right now. 
to the like the the like how conscious and cynical rap has become about how you can profiteer off of portraying gangsterism. Right. It's oh man. Anybody who hasn't seen that movie, just go watch it. Shouts to um Gusto, man. That's a hilarious. That's a great movie, and also the uh, that Sopranos episode. With, uh, oh my god! Shooting the ass. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Um, So, you know, like, don't... I would say, like, for me, my just, like, the charges against Takashi are bullshit. Just read the charges. Just read it. And that unit needs to be abolished. Period. So we got some sound that I think you're going to play, Rob, of uh, Donald Trump just being a fucking ass in California about these forest fires. But uh, there's been a lot of study going on over the last little while. And I, I will I will say I think you're going to have hopefully this is going to be the last of of these because this was a really, really bad one. And I know uh, Gavin's committed. We're all committed. I'm committed to make sure that. We get all of this uh, cleaned out and protected. We got to take care of the floors, you know, the floors of the forests, very important. You look at other countries where they do it differently and, and it's a whole different story. I was with the president of Finland and he said, we have uh, a much different, we're a forest nation. He called it a forest nation. And they spend a lot of time on raking and cleaning and doing things and they don't have any problem. And when it is, it's a very small problem. So uh, I know everybody's looking at that to that end and uh, it's going to work out. It's going to work out well. I mean, before, I mean, you're an L.A. man now. Was out in L.A. with my, well, you guys are not in the same place, but my sister's out in L.A. Yeah, so she's got, on the east side. Is, is she in, like, Silver Lake or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys, Um, I mean, are you all right? Like, what's going on? I'm good. Like, honestly, you know, because the crazy thing is it's happening in Southern and Northern California. So it's happening yeah. over by the Bay and it's happening all the way by us. A lot of people don't understand the, the vastness of California as a state. Like the Bay area and Los Angeles are further from each other than Boston and New York. Right. right? Like people right. don't understand like how far everything is. The different from world. Each other. Yeah. It's, it's a different planet. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that it's happening up there and all the way down by us is just crazy. Uh, a lot of very well, and like, you know, these natural disasters, especially stuff that has to do with climate change. And I personally think the wildfires are direct. And I'm sure there's scientific evidence to back it up is, is directly related to climate change. You know what I'm saying? The, the rate at which we're getting these fires and the intensity of them, you know, it's got to be related to the fact that the planet's getting hotter, especially up, up north, you know, where it actually rains a lot, where there is a lot of moisture. To have these crazy fires is, you know, it's wild. But uh, down by us, we're good. It, it's fine, you know, uh, they they got they got their hold on the stuff that was happening in Malibu and all of those areas. Like they they they've gotten it semi-contained, and things are 
they're gonna be fine. But yo, man, it's it's scary shit when you just realize that like a fire could start and just the amount of brush and greenery that's in and around Southern California would like blow people's minds. Like there's a lot of freaking nature, you know, because. Yeah. L.A. is not like New York where, like, in Manhattan is, you know, probably, like, three trees or whatever. Like, <laughs> everything is so spread out. You know, there just literally is a lot of nature. There's a lot of people in this area, but it's very spread out. And so yeah, people would be like shocked to know that. Of, like, suburbs sprung together. I mean, right. I just, but on the other hand, you know, also you need to rake that shit up. Which is what Donald Trump said. Right, right. Donald so, <laughs> Donald Trump went to California and he was standing and it was real funny because Jerry Brown and Gavin Newsom are just sort of like, Who is this fucking moron? God. Yo, and it's like and, and, yo, Mike, we've seen so many crazy things from this guy, but this shit was still surreal, bro. It oh, was yeah. still like God damn! What was fucking really surreal for the for the people that were with him? Like, you know, Jerry Brown is a real, you know, experienced, shrewd veteran politician. He's seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and he ain't know, no spring chicken. He's not a spring chicken. He's a man of the world, and he was standing there next to Donald Trump, like fuck. Sweep up the floor, huh? And then what I loved was I think Trump was like that was happening in Finland, and then the the prime minister of Finland like just had you know because I'm not as up on Trump shit as other people like I get burned out with it, and I think sometimes people just need to chill. But I have to say like the headline like prime minister of Finland makes clear that he didn't say that they raked up the forest floor. <laughs> just like, man. It's just a good reminder that you got to be structural. It's bigger than Trump. But my God, our president is a fucking moron. And on top of that, I just wanted to say he just tweeted out 21 minutes ago while we're recording this. Brutal and extended cold blast could shatter all records. Whatever happened to global warming? Question mark. He's still going with global warming. Like, the fact that people are still going with global warming is fake. Like, I get it. It, it. Like, really, it started with the Bush regime. That's when people stopped taking us serious. Like, people started, like, abroad, around the world, where they was like, is, 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 really? To, okay, okay, okay. He still got Cheney, who's a sinister, evil dude, but, like, a serious dude. An intellectual dude, right? Like, right. okay, 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 okay. You guys did too much with Iraq. Like, mm, U.S., you guys, we were really, we used to really look up to y'all. It's like finding out that your uncle's actually an alcoholic and a deadbeat, right? And then, you know, we did the Barry thing, and then it was like, oh, hell yeah, yo, yes! America, yeah, y'all fucking rebounded. Yes, direction, y'all doing it. Yeah, this is what we're talking about, man. All right, cool. Keep, yes, keep this energy. Keep this going. This, this is what we wanted from y'all. And, and then we do W 2.0, man. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, the only thing that I want to say, though, to, like, unsettle people a little bit, to me, is it's like, 
we get fixated on the amount of Americans that don't accept the science and obviously Trump, you know, being insane about it doesn't help. But the real reason we don't do anything about this is because the fossil fuel industry still owns politics. And how many people and politicians actually accept the science, but still drill baby drill and you know, throw public land to the private sector for exploitation. So to me, you know, it's like, it's a real big yeah, picture. Yeah, but Mike, honestly, dude, I it's like... Capitalism. No, I'm not, look, I'm not saying... I, no, no, that's not what I mean. That's not what overnight. I mean. I think the problem with that theory, not even that theory, that read on things, is places like Nebraska, where like when Keystone came through and like literally everybody was just like, fuck this. Right. And but that's because everybody agreed what the truth was. <laughs> you know, I, it wasn't does everybody agree with the truth was. I think like, it's no. like literally you're going to put a pipeline through my yard. But, but there you go. But there you go. Yeah, but that's the truth. And ahead is because and, the, the and those politicians were bought and paid for, too. Absolutely. And that's but everybody like, agreed what the truth was. Yeah, but look at yeah, but look at but Justin Trudeau agrees with what the truth is. And he pushed harder for that deal than anybody. So it's like, what you know, we got to get to the actual root of the problem here. And it's not whether you think it's a problem or not. It's whose interests you're actually serving. Just Justin Trudeau has pushed for more uh, tar sands deals as much as any of his predecessors. And he goes out and does little geeky, I'm worried about global warming, ah, gee. But he's not going to yeah. do shit about it because in the pocket of the oil industry. And that's the ultimate thing. I think we need both. I think motherfuckers got to wake up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not like a contradiction. I'm just saying I think people get too comfortable calling out people for, like, being stupid when it's like... Oh, no, nah, oh, no, no. We got to stay on everybody's asses. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Come on. If you support Keystone, because, like, even Obama tried to. He wanted to. He did, he really, dude. Obama would have if there was not a mass. <laughs> he wanted to so badly. He so badly wanted to support and that shit. And Hillary even oh, more come so. on. Come on. And people but were on but people were just like, yo, bro, this is ridiculous. Bill McKibben, but, man. Bill McKibben, all props to him. Amazing movement building. But, but it's that, you know, the, that's the oil industry. That's that the, takes a lot of, that's but that the takes the a lot, man. Signs. That takes we a lot, bro. Those things that we're not going to deal with it at all is all I'm saying. But, you know, that being said, Trump's a fucking idiot, and he probably wants to have sex with his daughter. So, you know, I could leave Well, it. that's a, man, that's as good a way as any to, to end the show, brother. <laughs> well, let me just say, in conclusion, what, wait. Real quick, though, what would be the Nation of Islam equivalent of that? Like, we got, like, that's the white news, white news. Sit down, white news. But what would be the equivalent of Nation of Islam? Like, like he would go to California and be like, say, people say that, that white people could be in charge of their forests. They clearly can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> just blaming the white man for everything that's that's wrong. Ooh, that would be crazy. <laughs> I expect Yakubs to manage a forest. They can't even stop the <laughs> so They were they they, they they came from caves. They, came they were grafted from go back pigs. into them. That's why they burn their habitat. Oh my lord! All right, allow lock bar. All right, man. Thank you, brother. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, man. Of course, make sure you subscribe to Back to Back. 
motherfucking uh, the Daily Ding. Uh, what's what's the Ken Fahey and Zach Harper? The Interceptable, um, of course. Make sure y'all become a Patreon to the Michael Brooks Show, man. Support Michael Brooks. He's one of the smartest, funniest, coolest, whitest motherfuckers out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yo, man, I appreciate you guys, and I'm thankful for the whole TMPS Count the Dings community, man. You guys hold us down so ridiculously. It's, it's not even funny. Rob Lopez, take this out, man. Later, y'all. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.